BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode... He made a fortune getting young women to flash the camera. But things took a turn when an armed stranger broke into his house. We'll talk about the new podcast, Infamous, Girls Gone Wild. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, my own boy gone wild, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Does this mean I got to show you my nipples? No. Uh. Because all you got to do is ask, Rebecca. Look at No. I'm wearing a shirt underneath. <laughs> We're on Zoom with our friends. That was a workplace violation, Kevin. Hey, you're not even getting a tank top. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting nothing. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of Cozy Mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello. Maybe it's time for Piper Green to go wild. Oh, mm. maybe. Ooh, book three. I hope <laughs> I hope Piper Green is a better detective than you are, because do you remember the last episode we were talking about White Lotus? And you were hoping yes. that Jake Lacey's character was in the body bag yeah but we saw jake lacy <laughs> at the airport <laughs> waiting for the body bag yeah i was like i just hated him yeah you know? uh, so much he was pretty hateable he was pretty hateable yeah. piper and, and finally our resident doubting thomas author of the city trilogy of novels host of the strange arrivals podcast and our patreon deep dive book club podcast host toby ball hello toby hello rebecca so can remember in white lotus season one armand the concierge yeah At the hotel. Do you remember when we were at Podcast Movement and there was this guy who looked fucking exactly like Armand from White Lotus? Yeah, because he he had a mustache and a Hawaiian flower shirt. Yes. And Laura, I kept doing that thing where I kept trying to pose as a like for a photo so Kevin could take a photo of him behind me. And he kept and and this dude was so spry that he kept like getting out of the frame too quickly and we were never able to chase him down. And I kept saying to people, like, have you seen the White Lotus guy? And everyone knew who I was talking about. Oh. This guy looked exactly like fucking Murphy. So, 
you know what I do is I prop my phone in such a way that then I open the camera app on my watch and I click pictures when I want a picture in that situation. Genius. Ah. Genius. <laughs> but we're actually watching something for this show that that same actor is in, right? Harry Bartlett is in Welcome to Chippendales. And he is- Which is what we'll be talking about on Monday. Yeah, and he's a chameleon because I yeah. did not recognize him. That dude is a freaking chameleon. Well, apparently once you shave your mustache off, you can just kind of blend in. And you can do an American accent really well. Yeah. Unlike other people from Australia who can't. (laughs) But he's not one of those because he can do it really well. I'm very proud of him. All right. So, Kevin, as you mentioned. I'm thrilled you're proud of him. I am very proud of him. I'm also very, any any actor who can be like a super chameleon like that, like Sam Rockwell, Uh uh, like you just don't recognize in things, is incredible. Um, So, you, as you mentioned, Kevin, on Monday's show, we're talking about Welcome to Chippendales. That's right. And that's the thing that people need to know before we talk about. That's what they need to know. This topic. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Okay. Well, um, it's time for us to talk about the thing we're talking about. So let's get to it. Instead of boys gone wild, we're going to talk about girls gone wild. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. All right. right, I'm going to drop that first clip right now. Hey, mom, you know that girls gone wild thing? He's going to give me a t-shirt that says girls gone wild if I take off my swimming suit top. Is that okay with you? (laughs) I love you. Joe Francis made a fortune on a simple concept. Get drunken young women to flash the camera for his direct-to-DVD series, Girls Gone Wild. When the filming stopped, the debauchery continued as Francis allegedly coerced sex from the women, some of whom were underage. Uh, Joe is leading them into the other room right now. Come on, sit down over here. He gestures to the bed next to him, and once again, he takes their hands. Now... You can probably imagine what happens next. Local authorities wanted to protect the victims and put a stop to the filming. Francis remained defiant until the night an armed man broke into his Bel Air home to give him a taste of his own medicine. He's come prepared with a gun. He's got a video camera. He's going to make Joe Francis lay face down in bed. And he's going to make him say these words. My name is Joe Francis. I'm a boy going wild and I like it up the ass. In the five-part podcast, Infamous, Girls Gone Wild, host Vanessa Gregoriadis recounts her early days covering Francis for Rolling Stone and the legal troubles Francis would later find himself in. It's part profile of a vile libertine and part commentary on what constitutes exploitation. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Infamous, Girls Gone Wild. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down. Reviews. Now, Kevin, we should mention that it's clear from listening to this podcast that it originally had a different title because uh, Vanessa says the series Boy Gone Wild, (laughs) even though the podcast is called Girls Gone Wild. So that's just something I just wanted to mention because it's like it may have come up in an index somewhere else as Boy Gone Wild. It's it's a little hard to find. Yeah. If you search, because there are some other podcasts with the same name. So you have to look under the infamous you know, subject line to get to this one. Correct. And I actually do, I do like the idea of the show. Toby, this is a series now where we have been told very transparently, this is not going to be a thing where there are going to be seasons of like that come out, you know, every year, you know, there's going to be a 12 episode thing. It's a series called Infamous. Well, there will be stories in it. And apparently the stories do not have to be a particular length of 10 or 12 episodes because this one was pretty short. What do you think of that concept? Yeah, no, I think it's good. I mean, I think this this series is as long as it needs to be. I think if it was taken out to like eight, 10, 12 episodes, 
That would be more Joe Francis than I feel like I need to know about. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's good to be flexible like that. I you know I think there are reasons why companies generally don't do that, but I, I think it works in this case. So Laura, what do you think of the opening scene of this podcast? I'm here for it after that opening scene. So I will describe. So you know, Girls Gone Wild is from what we're gonna, they refer to as like the raunchy area era. And like we get that right off the bat with the scene where somebody is breaking into Joe Francis's house, tying him up, stripping him naked and saying he's going to like stick a rabbit vibrator up his bum. So right from the beginning, we know that somebody is metering out some of their own justice on Joe Francis and putting him in the same position that these young women were put in. Riley's looking for tape recordings of Girls Gone Wild that Joe might have in his safe. Crazy enough, the uh, smaller of the safes was open, so I don't have to fidget with it and try to come up with a combination. I open it, there's a couple of tapes in there, mini DV tapes. I'll take those with me, put those in the back. Hearing that right off the top, I'm like, oh my gosh, is somebody gonna get arrested for doing this? Did he really put it in there? What happened to this video? Who did this? Like, I immediately just was all in on this podcast as I was listening to this opening scene. What did you think about that, Kevin? Yeah, I also love the opening scene uh, and how it gets resolved later on. I think it's episode three. I think one of the things by setting this up as the first thing we hear is that it lets the listener know that this story is not going to be just about boobs in courtrooms, right? There are other interesting things that are going on with this story, you're like, oh, this isn't what I was. I thought the story was going to be. And, you know, the thing about like this extortion tape that he's trying to make, the significant thing isn't, you know, the homophobic vibrator aspect, although that is important. It's the complete humiliation that Joe faces. This is the thing that he wants to do. It's all about his lack of informed consent and his helplessness. It's a great comeuppance for Joe Francis. But unfortunately, he doesn't learn the lesson. I have a question. Do we ever really find out what was really behind this incident? Because it sounds like, does Riley Perez really work alone on this? Because it sounds sort of like someone sent him, right? Someone said, yeah, didn't uh, someone send him for the, the videos? Yes. For a video of somebody, yeah. Yeah, and but that's not really fully, like, is that a mystery that's still kind of unresolved? It's interesting to me. Don't you also want to know what the fuck Joe Francis did to Muhammad? That yes. he so strongly <laughs> believes that Muhammad was the one who sent him. It's like, what did you do to Muhammad? Why doesn't we? Why do you so strongly believe that Muhammad is the one who sent you? I'm like, why do you think that? That's that's a podcast that I maybe one addendum I want to hear about. Um, so Toby, you sent me a note that you said what you like about the podcast is that you think it has a quirky vision behind it. What do you mean by that? Well, I was listening to this. You know, sometimes you hear about like movie directors who have to like direct a blockbuster so that they can then finance like their passion project, which is usually like a smaller, quirkier thing. And this kind of feels like one of those kind of passion projects. I don't know. I mean, I was just listening to it. It's not set up in a normal way that I, I guess I've come to be used to hearing podcasts. I mean, it essentially like there's two pretty short episodes in the middle that deal with this whole thing with Riley Perez breaking into Joe Francis' house and all this stuff. And then it's kind of bookended by who Joe Francis is and kind of like what happened to him and where he is now. It's sort of this little jumble of things, like a lot of contextualizing this one little event that happens. 
but it, I, I thought the whole thing was interesting. Like when you asked about, you know, what do you think about having it be five episodes? It's like, yeah, five episodes is perfect. One of the episodes I think is like 20 minutes long. Yep. So it's just measured, right? I mean, I think, I think she's figured out how long you can have these things and have it be interesting. And then at the point at which it's going to cease to be interesting, it just ends. Right. So I thought that yeah. was good. And Joe Francis, for all his sort of like ubiquity after one o'clock in the morning on cable television, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, he's not really that interesting a dude. He's just a guy who had this shitty, stupid idea and was able to sell a bunch of videotapes to horny guys who are watching cable in the middle of the night. But he's, I mean, he's a prick, right? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. made his money off of exploiting drunk young women. I mean, I think part of the attraction of those videotapes for some people was the fact that these girls are humiliated. They're going to wake up with major, major regrets. And he's like, well, if they asked me to take them off to not like put the videos out, I wouldn't have done it. It's like, well, who the fuck's going to do that? The whole thing is really super seamy. Um, so anyway, I like the fact that it didn't have to fit into these sort of models that we already have set up. And it just seemed like it was kind of like she had a vision, she put it out there and I think it works. I like it too. I mean, the formatics are what they are and I wish more, you know, the only other like podcast company that I feel that is allowed to break from regular formatics regularly is like Pineapple Street or the people that run it like Max Linsky will just put out something as a passion project. Like he did 70 over 70. That's like, an episode can be however long he wants it to be. Guess what? You can still sell ads in a 20-minute podcast because you can put a break wherever the fuck you want to put it. Like, there's a lot of tolerance for that with listeners. If you listen to a Wondery show, they have a break after four minutes, right? So, like, you can have a 20-minute episode. You can have five episodes. If there's going to be a series with two hosts and you're going to be doing continuous reporting, like, why not? And I I actually think it's a really good idea, too. Um, I have a question for you, Laura, because one thing that we Mm -hmm. hear in the podcast that really stuck out to me and they do address it somewhat, but I really wanted, I, the one thing I wish they had dug into a little bit more with the Rolling Stone editor was, and I, they, they do address it. I don't want to say somewhat because they do address it, but the Rolling Stone editor sends her on this assignment because she's like, he's going to fall in love with you. So he'll be open yeah. with you. Like you're a woman journalist. Have you ever gotten assignments just because you were a woman and it was like, you look back on that now and you're like, that's fucking fucked up because. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Early in my career. I mean, not so much now, but I, when I was an intern even and in hindsight, and I wrote about this in my paper for my internship, my final paper, I got sent to cover this little town where the police chief really loved young women. And so I went out there because he would tell me all the stories. And that was specifically why I was assigned to cover that town. And in hindsight, I'm like, really? I mean, I'm somebody that's just creative about getting people to talk to me and keeping after them. And I guess whatever works, but in that case, that's a little bit icky, you know? And I think we've come a long way since then. And that was early. I mean, this was how, how many years ago that she was having lunch with this editor and he was talking about the need to send, you know, send her in and all of that. But it definitely is something that used to happen. And I think there are, I'm sure, situations where female journalists played that up 
to get the story. Absolutely. You know? still happens. I can't say I, I can't say. No, I, I don't know if female journalists play it up, but it absolutely still happens that women journalists are assigned certain kinds of stories because they're women or they're assigned assigned to cover certain sources because they're women. What are you going to say, Kevin? Well, first, I wanted to ask Laura if she if she has to, like, wear a tight sweater while working for Chronicle of the Horse. <laughs> <laughs> that gets you any. Good the horses stuff. really like it. The horses love it. Yes. Um, I was really, I, I really enjoyed Vanessa's sort of reflection on this. She tells the story in episode one, but kind of moves on to it and then like really digs into it back in episode five. So basically she put a pin in it. But this whole idea that in order to do this interview, she had to show up and then like put on a bathing suit and go talk to him. I told myself I was an analyst of all this stuff. And in some ways I was. But in my haste to become successful myself, to become a female Hunter Thompson who got into the seamy side of culture. I did a lot of stuff that I feel pretty weird about today. A male reporter would never do that because it would not be expected of him. Probably they would, you know, they would also treat in this particular situation a male reporter differently because it's like, come on, you're going to be one of the buddies and we're going to go along. And she was put in a position where she had to kind of sex herself up a little bit in order to get into that. It was a one piece. Come on. It was a one. Right. No, it was a one piece. And she specified that. But again, there was sort of an expectation that she needed to dress the part to get this particular interview. And she addresses that later on. She's thinking about that. Was she taken advantage of or was she, you know, going along because this is, you know, was she taking advantage of the situation too? Hmm. And I thought that that was really great. I think that's one of the things that she brings to telling the story is that we don't have a lot of first person tape because we don't hear from Joe. So a lot of it is like her recollections of this. And it's, it's almost not so much about Joe's story. In some cases, it's about Vanessa covering Joe's story. And so that her insights and her reflections become the more valuable for it. All right, so Kevin, we're going to get back to this conversation in just a second. Yeah. A little bit more Girls Gone Wild. But before we do that, we got to cover some business. What's going on on our Patreon right now? Well, I'm not going to tell you until you get into a bathing suit. Okay, that's not fair. That's kind of sexist, don't you think? Well, that's how we run things here at Partners in Crime Media. Oh, God. It's just crime writers gone wild. Okay. I mean, Kevin, how many times has Kevin not worn pants that's in that true. studio? That's true. Don't objectify me. <laughs> that's true. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> uh, right now on Patreon, you can get over 320 exclusive podcasts, hmm. including Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. It's deep. The Deep Dive. Toby is going to be talking about on the next podcast, The Premonitions Bureau. Toby, who, who's your guest? Uh, I have Deb Shudica and Shirley Layro and Julia Lowry Henderson. Okay, can I just say something about Shirley Layro? That's fucking awesome, Doctor right. Layro. She has started this like email book club situation, uh-huh. uh, which I love. Like we both recently read, and, and she initiated it. The latest Anthony Horowitz Hawthorne book, mm-hmm. and she sent an email to me and Janet, and I think you were on it, Toby, but you didn't. I haven't read the book. Yeah. Read. She sent an email with her thoughts about the book to all of us, and unsolicited. Started, and yeah, and it started this like email chain, like book club situations. So we basically have an email book club. It is fucking awesome. Thank you, Dr. Shirley. I really appreciate it. What else we got going on, Kevin? Coming up on December 20th, it's going to be the Crime Writers on Patreon holiday party. Yay! Second annual. So we're going to go on uh, with uh, to Crowdcast with all of our patrons who want to join us. Bring your eggnog, your other festive drinks, bring your mistletoe. We'll be on for an hour or so talking to folks. 
wishing them Merry Christmas and talking about Happy the, New Year, Happy other New- holidays. There are other holidays besides Christmas, Kevin. Happy Hanukkah. No need to be offended. <laughs> Happy Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. I'm just reminding you, your like I Christian-centric know. worldview isn't the only one, Kevin. Also, yesterday we had the latest episode of These Are Their Stories podcast. Ooh. We covered a classic SVU episode. It's the one with Mike Tyson on death row. Yeah. And his horrible acting. I thought he was good in that episode. I don't remember him being good in that episode. I don't think he should have been cast. Andre Brower was excellent as a guest star yes. in that episode. I don't think uh, Mike Tyson should have been cast on SVU, but I do think he was good in the episode. Yeah, it was called Monsters Legacy. Also, you got to listen in because I have a mind-blowing fact it is. about the title. Actually, the title's for many of the shows from season 13 on. You'll never believe it. Yes. And can I just say something that I did not, we did not mention about last week's after show, which should be incentivized for people to join Patreon. Yeah. I dropped a mind-blowing fact about our favorite Pearl Jam song, Yellow Leadbetter, in last week's after show that people should join Patreon just to hear that mind-blowing fact. Right, Kevin? Absolutely. Yes. So uh, join Patreon just to hear last week's after show so you can hear the mind-blowing fact that I dropped on Laura and Toby about the famous uh, song, Yellow Leadbetter by Pearl Jam, which we have previously discussed on this show. All right, so Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Donna Cashman and Barbara Baldwin. Bless you. Bless you, Donna and Barbara. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this business section, supporting us on Patreon, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out. Fade it out. Right now. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Kevin. Yeah. Why was Girls Gone Wild so successful? One word. Behooves. Well, you know, that's actually an interesting thing. We do talk about that in the podcast. They're talking about, well, this was before internet porn. No, it was internet porn. Not like there is now. No, not like there is now. There wasn't a... uh, there wasn't uh, porn hub. Until, there well, wasn't yeah, until, you, until you had YouTube and the video platforms like that, you couldn't get 
films, but you certainly could get all sorts of other stuff. But I mean, that's sort of beside the point. There are a couple of, I mean, I think a couple of reasons. Um, there is this, I think, this appeal to men, how they want to be in the middle of that party, right? And the fact that they might see not glamorous mega models or supermodels, but regular women all of a sudden acting very sexy and doing things that are supposed to be forbidden. There's something very tantalizing about that. Well, she posits but, the idea that like he can walk up to someone and say, take off your shirt and they will. But like the losers, but a guy can't. The a losers guy. at yeah. home who would want to watch this know that they would never be able to get that. Right. Right. Which right. is also disgusting. It's all disgusting. But that's the fantasy. That's a disgusting fantasy. Right. Right. right? But it's also, you know, the setting. It isn't like they're on a... Um, film studio or uh, you know in front of a backdrop and a woman comes on in front of the uh, the scrim and shows her boobs and walks off it's the fact that it's like it's outside and it's the middle of this party and it's on a bus and it's it has a sort of noir sleaziness to it that it's like you're just distant enough away from it that you're not part of it but you're able to enjoy the lascivious nature of it Laura these girls gone wild ads were as prevalent at the time, as those Camp Lejeune ads are right now, <laughs> right? Oh, my God. The Camp Lejeune ads and emails. I get text messages. I know. Yes. And this was a period, it was like the late 90s, early 2000s. So I graduated college in 98. These things, that whole period, it was like every time you turned on the news. And if you're watching like late night TV, girls gone wild. I mean, it was like all over the place. I mean, it was just part of the culture at that time. So to me, like hearing this and hearing the story behind it really resonated because it was something I was just so familiar with. And, you know, I went on spring break when I was in college. I went to like Daytona Beach or something. It you wasn't- did? I did. It wasn't that wild, but I went to it Fort was Lauderdale. Like, didn't see any boobs. I, I didn't get I didn't get a shirt. I didn't see any boobs. Um, but it was like I think part of what like Kevin was saying before is like Rebecca looks so shocked. I did. I, I'm like, to- I always wonder like who paid for these spring break trips for these college people. I always wonder that. Like I don't even know how I how got did there. You go, Kevin? I don't who remember. paid for yours? I saved up for the flight. Good for you. I think I, I saved friend up. lived in I went- Florida. We we went to his place. We just had to get our flights. That's on. why you didn't see any boobs because you were staying at your friend's house. Oh, uh, I forgot. We went to the Club Pink Pussycat. But uh-huh. That was that was different. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was gross though. I you know I do know how I got there. It's coming back to me now. Um, my dad had a house in Florida at that time, and so I went and saw him for part of the week, and then I went to see my friends. So you got your dad to pay for it under the guise of a quote visit. Yeah, and he uh, gave me some cash when I went. But I remember going to this club, and it was just gross. It was like a freaking meat market. But that's basically the allure of the Girls Gone Wild videos is being in that scene and being in that setting and, you know, having that fly on the wall view of what's going to happen there late night. And it's not really happening because they're orchestrating it. And it's also, you know, when you think about that, like that period, again, like that late 90s, early 2000s, and you look at now, I mean, that was sort of like the last hurrah, I think, of that sort of, you know, although I shouldn't say that. Yeah. But yeah, it was a different time. I want to talk about a character in this podcast. And Toby, I'm going to start with you because I have not even Googled it. But I am certain that somebody who in this story is framed as like a little bit of a hero is actually probably like not in other stories that we could probably cover on this podcast. And that's Mayor Lee Sullivan, who happily I admits that guy. Ah, 
fully admits that he was ousted as sheriff for like some sort of like law enforcement misconduct situation. Right. And then runs for mayor because he was angry for having been fired as the sheriff. I didn't even Google it, but, you know, there's some shady fucking shit going on there. Right. Um, He is like one of these larger than life. Like you want to like like typecast like what's the dude from Dukes of Hazard, Right. Boss hog. Unbelievable, like the way he talks, the way he sort of like brags about his escapades. What are your impressions of this lovely gentleman, Toby? Uh, like it's great when it's on Dukes of Hazard. When it's in the real world, I think it's a little <laughs> more troubling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just that guy just seems like a ass. You know, he gets elected Agreed. mayor and then like fires a guy who's hired his police chief after him just because he can. Um, yeah, the guy seems like a nightmare. He does. What did you think of him, Kevin? Oh, I loved him. You did? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would, you know, want to work for him, but he is funny and profane and he knows it. He knows he's that he's, you know, funny to to, to listen to. He's worth the price of admission, I think, Laura, because he just. I agree. I mean, he's also look. he's not just fluff. He's an important character mm-hmm. in the story mm-hmm. here of the law enforcement and public safety response to this guy coming to Panama City Beach. It was an important part of that, but he's just so enjoyable to listen to him talking about Joe Francis as a shit stain because it's almost like you need a big personality to go after yeah. a big personality. And yeah. uh, he just, you know, let loose. I loved it. Lady, when you flush the Joe Francis toilet, there's just all kinds of stains left in the toilet. It's just listen. He, once he started, once he started swirling around and around and going down, it's just nothing for him to hold on to. Yeah, filthy. <laughs> She's a filthy little shit that he was. I wish I could remember that saying. It was like, I'll tie your hands up so fast. Like, what? he's had some hysterical sayings. I'm like, I need to write these down, <laughs> some of his expressions. Hmm. Well, he's had some <laughs> ethics charges. I just took, it took me one Google search to find that out. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, the glee... I don't know. There's just like a glee aspect to it. Like I appreciate his like wanting to do something about this, but just sort of like the heavy handed glee. Like, listen, Joe Francis is obviously a piece of shit, but like the tactics of overcharging Joe Francis, all I can imagine is like, what does he do to other people? Like my mind goes immediately there. I can't help it, especially having just He's listened. He's praying to, on underage girls. Especially just having listened to Bone Valley. Like I know that, I know, but the, he didn't charge him for praying on underage no, girls. He couldn't make that stick, no. But it's also like Lee Sullivan was just like, what did he say? You can, um, what did he say about the Main Street? A great expression about this. Like you can do something on Main Street. You can have choir practice on Main Street. He was talking about like what you can, you can't, yeah. you know, basically meaning like you can't have nudity, but you can like, you know what I mean? Like what bothers him more was like the, the aesthetics of the city. You know what I mean? Like being bested bothers him more than whatever Joe Francis was actually doing in the privacy of a room. It was very clear to me anyway. I don't know. Not my favorite. He's a bully with a badge. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, he does make for good tape. I guess there's that always. Also, what the fuck with Kim Kardashian? Well, free Joe. Yeah. Well, they grew up together, man. These were like rich kids. We can't forget that Joe Francis was not a self-made man. He was a rich kid. Laguna Beach. Need I say more? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, Joe Francis also had an interaction with Steve Wynn. What do you think about that, Toby? 
yeah, they're uh, they can have each other. <laughs> it did seem like a classic sort of big fish eats little fish story, where it's like I have no idea what Joe Francis is thinking, like running up a big tab at one of Wynn's casinos and not paying. It's like, do you honestly think you're going to get away with that? And then he's like whining about how Steve Wynn was saying he's going to have him killed. I'd like to have some sympathy for you, but what the hell do you think is going to happen? Like, I don't necessarily think Wynn actually sent Quincy Jones an email saying, I'm going to kill Joe Francis. That doesn't seem to make much sense to me. But (laughs) the idea that a guy who owns is like one of the biggest casino owners in the world has ways of getting money from people who aren't going to pay back their gambling debts. Like, how can you be surprised? Of course by he that? does. You of know, course it's just, he does. it's just fucking I ridiculous. I wouldn't be surprised if pay he sent your that two million Toby. bucks. Like you've got it. Just pay your gambling debts. Move on with your life. Instead, you live down in Mexico. We have the Kardashians come and visit. And, you know, you talk to Bubba, the love sponge last seen having <laughs> sex on camera with Hulk Hogan's wife. Uh, and complain about you your situation. You know a lot about this. Good for you, Toby. Well, well you know, because uh, one of our, who else has fled to Mexico? Didn't Bikram initially flee to Mexico? Yes. And and so did uh, Keith Raniere also fled, like yeah. went to Mexico. And Olivia Newton John's boyfriend. Listen, I know from True. my research, I know from my research that it's very easy to emigrate to Mexico. From my own research about places that I would <laughs> potentially flee to, they are. It's, it's an easy Operation place. Operation Escape Hatch. It's an easy place to emigrate from the United States. They let you bring your dogs and you could bring a car and the property taxes are extremely low. The property tax rate is like 0.75%. So I've looked into this completely. It's like a lovely place to emigrate to. So Kevin, I will see you soon. All right. You just don't have your own private plane to get there. That's true. That's true. By the way, you haven't known about this. People do own their own private jets. It's not, they don't all lease them. People do own them. There's a very stupid thing to own. They're stupid to own, but people do own them. You're like, I know, but you're right. Right. Most people lease them. But then he's like, we're taking up this whole floor of the Holiday Inn. You know, it's like, I think he was was flexing a little bit. That's what they have at Panama City Beach is a Holiday Inn. It's a high rise hotel. There's also a gorgeous Holiday Inn on the beach in Aruba, by the way. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's been there since the 60s. Yep. (laughs) All right. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details.
All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the podcast, Infamous, Girls Gone Wild. What do you think, Laura Bicker? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? Yeah, I would say check this out. It is the proper balance of being entertaining, salacious, and also kind of doing a retrospective look at the way things were then and the way they are now and, and you know, really kind of shedding light on this guy. And and for somebody that, you know, a, a kid of the late 90s in this era, I was really interested to hear the other side of the story because all I saw was those ads that were on incessantly during this period for the videos. And now I know the whole story. So, um, and, and, you know, the other thing that was great about this is it was the right length. Mm. And we talked about that. And I think I finished this, I walked my new neighborhood and I listened to this and it was the right length for a couple morning walks and really interesting. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Infamous, Girls Gone Wild. Yeah, I was going to lead with what Lara said, which is it's the right length. It's a good story. She tells it for the length that it deserves. You know, it's looking back at sort of a pretty seamy uh, thing that was going on like 20 years ago, I guess. I mean, was it really 20 years? I don't know. But um yeah, I mean, I, I think it's super interesting. It, it's kind of based around this one incident, but sort of the way she kind of builds it out. So you, you, you kind of have some context. You you hear more about Francis and, and kind of his origins and then where he is now. Um, so, yeah, I give it a thumbs up. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm going to do a thumbs up, too. This was entertaining. I, we didn't actually get to the talk about the use of an actor yeah. to, in, in place of um, Joe Francis, but. We don't get the actual Joe Francis. We do get two very colorful characters in this. And in a way, Vanessa, the host, is a character herself having, I should say, recalling her own experiences covering the story. It told something a little more. And, you know, in the end, we also find out a little more about Joe Francis today. And it's just as enraging as his uh, show us your boobs, you know, money making venture. So. A good, entertaining listen. And everybody's right. It's just, it, it was the right length. It ended when it was supposed to end and it get uh, dragged along for another three episodes for no reason. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. It's thumbs up for me. It's not perfect. I didn't love the use of the actor, even though we were tra- very transparent about it. I think that Vanessa talking about what happened was probably enough. And I think Vanessa recalling her own reporting is actually, it sounds like she's done a lot of very interesting, very juicy reporting. And there's probably a lot to mine there. And her voice and the way she delivered this was just so much more organic and natural. And I don't mean her physical voice. I mean, her writing voice and her um, just leaning into the story just sounded so much more organic and like what she's supposed to be doing more so than Run, Band, Be Run, I thought, which is the other podcast that we reviewed of hers. My only other issue with this podcast is there is a recreated, this is how it must have happened or could have happened scene. And that's just not my favorite kind of thing when like it may have happened this way kind of thing. You know, I just don't think it's necessary. You can just sort of say, here's what the court papers said or whatever kind of thing. But other than that, I really did enjoy this listen too. And as everyone has said, it's like a nice little nugget. Episodes don't have to be long just to fill ad spots, like make them as long as they need to be and then stick your ads in there and then put another narrator in doing a different story. I really love the format. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. Hold on a minute. I'm going to pull it up. And it is, actually, it's not a cat of the week. (laughs) It is a hamster. A hamster? I don't know. Is this a hamster or guinea pig? Is it a hamster or guinea pig? I'm not really sure. So this week we have hamster or guinea pig. I'm not really sure. A rodent of some kind. They come to us from Liz 
And they were actually winners last year. Bean made the cut last year with his ugly Christmas sweater. He now has a new brother, Ponchito, and they both have new Christmas sweaters and they are freaking adorable. Wow. And I would get a little rodent just so I could dress them up like this. So thank you, Liz, for submitting. How do you even put like a sweater <laughs> on one of those animals? I don't know. How do you do that? I can't even imagine like doing those tiny little arms, like ugh, putting in those little like, holes. I don't know. Laura Bricker, if folks want to send you any kind of animal, obviously to be cat of the week, of course, they can email to them to us at crimewriterson at gmail.com. But what if they want to send them to you online? How can they find you on social media? They can find me at Lara Bricker. What about you, Toby? How can you be found on social media? At Toby Ball and H. What about you, Kevin Flynn? How can you be found? I can be found at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to find me everywhere, like Twitter or Instagram, for example, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can follow the show at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, find our page, hit join the group. We'll let you in. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get all the podcasts we make there. There's so much stuff back there. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredible Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in a yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where Toby and Kevin will show you their nipples for a measly t-shirt. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. Ew. We will catch you later. You should see the unbelievable fat squirrel that we have on our deck. It's the fattest squirrel I've ever seen. It looks like, <laughs> I, I don't like fat shaming anybody. This squirrel looks like he ate another squirrel like five minutes ago. Oh, I fat shame Pippin all the time. Look at how fucking fat this squirrel is, guys. Yeah, I saw those fat ass squirrels on Twitter. Is it? It's just the same one. He's yeah. so fat. I saw him and it was like, he looks like a pig. Like his body is so much bigger than his head. <laughs> oh my God, what's wrong with him? <laughs> I don't know. It's like a mutant. He couldn't, oh he couldn't get to my, and he oh wasn't eating it in my bird feeder because he was sitting in front of my bird feeder, but he can't get to it because like out on a string. That squirrel has insulin resistance. That squirrel is fat. It's so cute. Okay. I'm saying that squirrel's so big, he needs to sleep with a CPAP. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mm-hmm.